Welcome to First in Maine, your avenue to living well. I'm Debs here with my amazing co-host Lauren to meet you in the busyness of your everyday life, to pass along some of the insights and wisdom we've gained over the years. Don't try to figure out life alone. We want to connect you to some of the incredible, well-rounded people in our world. They're life coaches, counselors, pastors, physicians, just amazing people who can help you along the way. Each episode, we'll be sharing personal stories, practical help, and timeless principles to help you live at your best. So lean in and let's tackle life together. Hey guys, hopefully you've had a great Thanksgiving and you are like us right now, anticipating Christmas. It's almost here. And then before we know it, it'll be like 2023, Debs. <laughs> it's hard to believe, isn't it? It is. Oh gosh, I don't know about you, but don't you feel like this year has like just flown by? It has. It has definitely gone by so fast. And you know, when I think about it, we have had a really great year podcasting this year. So every year, Spotify will put together this review of the year. They call it a wrap. That's W-R-A-P, not wickety, 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 <laughs> whack wrap, okay? But it's like this wrapped gift that they send us, which is just feedback that encourages us about what we've accomplished over the year. One of the things they shared with us was the amount of content that we created, which, okay, guys, we created 1,162 minutes of new content. So crazy to me. It is. <laughs> but here's the craziest part of it. It actually ended up being more than 80% of other creators in this category, yeah. which we're in the spirituality religious category. So y'all, that's like 80% more than other creators, which that just blew me away. I know, I know. Because sometimes I'm thinking we don't do enough. And I was like, oh, I think we did pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I, know. I know what you mean. I, you know, we also had this one episode this year that just really grabbed a lot of attention. And it was episode number 29, Rocking Your Relationship. I love that episode. I know it was so good. I mean, it was one of our most listened to episodes. Yeah which I mean, I totally understand because it was really good. <laughs> <laughs> it was. Um, but guys, you know, we have 49 episodes now. So just don't forget that you can always go back and listen to them. We are always, you know, we what we try to do is share timeless principles. So you really can listen to them anytime. So I want to encourage you, go back and listen to some of the ones that you haven't listened to, or maybe go back and listen to some of the ones that you have because just because you hear something one time doesn't mean that it necessarily equates into application. Right. I think we can like study and meditate and remind ourselves. So just go back and listen to some of those, um, you know, whenever you have a chance. That'd be, I think that'd be pretty awesome. Now, one of the other things that we found out that I think was honestly super cool was our podcast was in the top 20% most shared globally. Yes, that's huge. I mean, globally. <laughs> <laughs> right. Now, the majority of our listeners are across the United States, but we actually have listeners across the world. And so I think we should give all of those guys a shout out today. So we just want to say thank you so much to our listeners. We have you guys listening in Germany, yeah. Australia, the United Kingdom, France, Puerto Rico. Yes. I love um, Puerto Rico. Uh, Spain. Belgium, 
um, Brazil and the Philippines and then South Africa, which I have a heart for South Africa. Yeah. I went on a mission trip there a few years ago and it is a beautiful country. Oh, I bet. And we also have listeners in Romania and Japan, which is so cool because Bill and I lived in Japan for a year, which we absolutely loved it. But I mean, what a mission field. Yeah. I think when we started this, we didn't have any idea that we would reach this far. And, you know, the Lord says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And like, we're actually doing right? it. Right, I know, it's so <laughs> Right cool. here from my living room. Yes, it's so cool. I think that the report said that like 75% of our listeners found us just this past year too, which is pretty awesome considering we don't like pay for advertising. I mean, we did in the beginning when we first launched, but we haven't Yeah, and done- when we say we paid for advertising, it was like- Pennies. A couple, you know, $5 ad campaigns on Facebook that are so complicated to figure out who yeah. knows if they reached anybody. Yeah. That was like two years ago. Like we haven't done that since. No. Yeah. So we've really grown through word of mouth. Yeah. And that is, I mean, that really is so incredible. In fact, the report said we are in the top 20% of most shared podcast, which that is just, that blew my mind. Yes. And it said the way that you share our podcast is by texting your friends mm -hmm. and you also share on your social media pages. So thank you so much. Yes, that is just, it's so humbling to know that so many of you guys are sharing our podcast. It is. So I think what we're really basically trying to say is thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing what we're doing. It really has motivated us and encouraged us. And it's a great way to kind of like wrap up our year. Yeah. And just like you were saying, Debs, thank you guys so much for listening, for doing life with us, sharing our podcast. You know, by the grace of God and only by the grace of God, we are in the top 25% most followed podcast. Like, I still can't even wrap my head around that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Me either. So I just want to give a quick shout out as well to all the guys who listen to our podcast. We 40% of our listeners are men. That's awesome. <laughs> which we just want to say thank you for listening. Yeah. You know, when we set out, I think obviously because we're girls, you know, we probably thought we were going to cater more mm -hmm. toward girls. And obviously that is the majority, but 40% yeah, of great. listeners being men, that that's pretty awesome. Yeah. God really has exceeded our expectations this year with this podcast. And, you know, we didn't know what to expect and we really didn't know what we were doing at first. <laughs> and so we really so are true. just thankful. And I love that this report came in right in the beginning of December. Yeah. Like right after Thanksgiving, it's a time of gratitude. And I think that for both of us, we can say that we are just feeling so grateful. Definitely. So most of you guys probably know that we are in the season of Advent right now. Okay. And Advent begins as Thanksgiving ends, and it usually starts the first Sunday after Thanksgiving and goes on for four weeks. It does. And so if you're not familiar with Advent, it really is a time of expectancy, mm -hmm. anticipation, really kind of like preparing your heart. And it's, it's to be filled with hope, all of which is centered around the coming of Jesus. And Advent not only represents the coming of Jesus into the world, but it's a time to anticipate Jesus coming into our lives personally, especially in new ways that bring breakthrough and deliverance. And, you know, in our last episode, we talked about elevating our expectations and anticipating what God has for us. So Advent is really just 
a, a special time of the year that we get to stir up our faith. And, you know, guys, sometimes we just need to do that, yeah. right? Yes. So as, you know, we're in the middle of talking about this. I go to church on Sunday and you're not going to believe the message that our pastor shared. It was on Luke 18, which comes from a parable where Jesus is talking about this unjust judge and this widow who is going to this unjust judge asking for justice. And the parable really says from the very beginning that it is to help people, you know, pray and not to give up, which is something that we're, you know, talking about. Right. We've been talking about cultivating, sowing and reaping, not giving up in the process of cultivating. And I'm just sitting there like this, this parable is actually perfect for everything so awesome. that we've been talking about just to kind of like wrap it up. I want to, it's only a couple of verses, so I want to read it real quick to you guys, but it's Luke 18 and it's verses one through eight. And again, remember, this is Jesus. He's um, sharing this parable. It says, then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart, saying, there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard men. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward, he said to himself, though I do not fear God, nor regard man. Yet, because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect, who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, Will he really find faith on earth? I want you to just think about that for a minute. Again, the beginning of the parable says he's sharing that because he wants to communicate that there's something about what this widow does and her persistence and her, you know, petition that is to encourage us not to give up and to not lose heart. It's to remind us that whenever we cry out to God, who is not an unjust judge, he is a very just judge, that he is ready and willing always to help us. Yeah, Just kind of like coming back full circle, sowing seeds in the soil of our needs and keeping at it until we reap. This is what we're talking about. And this is such a beautiful picture of someone who kept showing up, kept believing, kept expecting, anticipated, you know, solution. She anticipated this judge to finally like do what she was asking. She was hoping for breakthrough. And what really struck me most about this parable is that it ends with a question. It says, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? So I think that's an important question for us to ask ourselves. You know, if he showed up right now, would he find that kind of tenacity, that kind of faith in us? Do we have that kind of persistence and expectancy? Yeah, that is so powerful. Now, guys, if you're listening today and you need a breakthrough in a situation, don't give up. Because if you stop and really think about it, all the people that waited in expectation for Jesus to be born were really just waiting for Jesus to bring deliverance. Yeah. You know, thousands of years ago, 
people were clinging to the promise of a coming Messiah. I mean, that's what we celebrate Christmas for. It's when Jesus was born. You know, listen to what Isaiah says, Isaiah 9, um, verses 6 through 7. It says, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and his peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. Guys, they were in anticipation. And here we are in Advent within those four weeks prior to Christmas. And we can all use this time right now to ask ourselves whether or not we are clinging to his promises being fulfilled in our lives. So good. Yeah. I mean, it's Christmas time, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, today after listening to this podcast, it's our prayer that your heart is just going to be filled with the hope and wonder of Christmas. Yeah. If you're waiting on Jesus to come into a situation that you're facing, just keep waiting on him. Stay in faith, expecting and anticipating his arrival because he's coming. Yes. <laughs> Use this time to think about what you are needing and hoping for from Jesus and ask him for it. And keep asking him because he can give you strength if you need it. Mercy, mm -hmm. if you're in need of that. Peace, if you're lacking that. I mean, he brings joy, contentment, faith. There's spiritual gifts that he wants to give us. There's provision and rest. And just like you read, Lauren, he executes justice and fairness. He's, you know, the government is on his shoulders. He can do, you know, incredible things in your situations to make sure that you come out on top. He offers healing, forgiveness, new beginnings. I mean, what do you need today? Maybe it's self-control or wisdom. I mean, the list goes on and on. I just want to encourage you, make out a Christmas list. Yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> make out your Christmas list Yeah, and just expect for him yes. oh, to I deliver. Yes, I love that. I love that you just said that. It's so awesome. Well, guys, to wrap up this year, we wanted you to hear from someone who has lived out many of the things we've talked about on the podcast this this past year and has seen God show up in her and in her family's lives in amazing ways. And she's definitely seen God do far more than she could ever hoped or imagined. Seriously. Y'all get ready <laughs> for your faith to be stirred, which is exactly why we wanted to do this podcast today. When you hear from our friend, beautiful friend, Andy Jones today, you are going to be so inspired. Yes. She's going to make you want to dig into scripture more, pray more, be filled with the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. again and again and again, and just to believe God for more. Yes, I totally agree. Now, Andy, you are so inspiring. You um, radiate joy and love. And I just love that you're here with us today. And I'm so excited for everyone to get to hear your personal testimonies and just get to know you. You are a blessing and we are so glad that you're here. So thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Well, guys, um, let me tell you just a little bit about Andy. She is full of personality. <laughs> She's one of those people when you serve with her, she makes everything better. Yes. All right. She's a ton of fun. You know, she just takes uh, whatever you're doing and just brings so much sparkle to it. Uh, we love you. We love go you. way back. And for those of you that don't know this about Andy, back when I was um, going through COVID, I reached out to her 
I knew that something had shifted. I think I talked about it on the podcast, actually. And I, in my head, it was like the Holy Spirit was like, call Andy Jones. And I called her. And let me tell you, the reason I called her is one, the Holy Spirit told me to, but two is I know that she's a woman of faith. And I know that she is a prayer warrior. And when you're going through something, you need to reach out to people who you know are going to like go to the throne room on your behalf and fight for you in faith. And I honestly believe that I owe you my life because the Holy Spirit put you on my heart. I called you and you said that you did something you'd never done before, that the Holy Spirit told you to put the clock on, to set a timer and to pray. I think it was like every hour um, for me. You did it with your family. And little did I know that I actually, in the middle of that time period, had a pulmonary embolism, which could have killed me. And I believe had it not been for your prayers, that that embolism, it could have gone to my, uh, who knows what could have happened. But I'm here today and I just want to say thank you. So when I say she's coming on to share stories, to inspire, she knows how to get answers to prayers. Wow. So beautiful. Holy Spirit is so, so good. And I remember that too, just getting that call from you about praying. And there was a sense of urgency, but the urgency was you are his and he loves you so much. And there's so much work for you to do here. And I just felt so um, honored to have been asked to pray. Um, And I do have faith to see that healing manifest because he is a healing God and I've seen him heal and I know who he is and I know that I can call on covenant and I can call on scripture and he is faithful to do that. And so I'm so happy that you called me and I'm just thankful to be here. I'm thankful to be sitting here with both of you guys, your giants, and I know that you're inspiring so many people. And so I feel honored to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. All right. So why don't you take just a minute, tell us a little bit about yourself Um, kind of where you're from, some about your family, what you're up to these days. Sure. So my name is Andy and I have four kids. We have two adult sons and two young girls. And that was all a miracle. I have to tell you guys all about that. But been with my husband for about 27 years. And uh, yeah, we're just living here close to Atlanta on the north side, just moved about three years ago from the south side. And so we're just kind of learning where we are and our surroundings. We um, are online campus pastors at our church currently in North Georgia in Dawsonville. And that's been a amazing. So um, yeah, pretty much just doing the family thing with all four of our kids, learning how to navigate the older kids. We've got one in college. Um, We've actually got two in college. One just started ministry school. Um, He wants to be a pastor and the other one a pilot. So we'll have a pastor, a pilot, and then Two dolphin trainers so far. The dolphins <laughs> love it. The little girls want to be. Totally see them doing that. <laughs> the girls want to be dolphin trainers, so we will see how that goes. Yeah, uh, they kind of change I here and that. there, but um, yeah. So kind of living the whole you know thing with all the different ages, but it's been fun. So good. Yeah. So I know you've been with your church as an online pastor, but how long total would you say you've been in ministry? Wow, probably about twenty years. 
Um, on and off, Jeremy and I started ministry in our early 20s in the church that I grew up in. And uh, I say grew up in, I was saved at Oral Roberts University way back um, as a child. My mom was on staff there at the university. And so um, have always had revival, I think, in my blood, but came to uh, Jonesboro and started going to an Assemblies of God church in Jonesboro. And that church was on fire. It was called Glad Tidings, and it was amazing. And um, Jeremy and I started ministry in that church when we turned 20, working with the kids ministry Mm -hmm. and um, some preteen girls and boys. If you guys remember anything about the missionettes and the Royal Rangers. I do. Yeah. (laughs) Aaron was a Royal Ranger. Was he? Was. (laughs) So good. So yeah, Jeremy taught Royal Rangers and was learning to start fires, you know, camping while he was teaching. So that was kind of funny. And (laughs) I was trying to navigate teaching preteen girls um, straight out of high school myself. So that was a lot of fun. So from there, we went on to youth ministry, started um, in the youth ministry as youth pastors, and that was that was great. And from there, we started um, with a little bit of emceeing and speaking and getting invited to speak at different churches here and there. And that kind of brought on just an introduction to you, Debbie. I remember those days were so fun, and um, so did some ministry with you and um then just, you know, with kids ministry, youth ministry, became associate pastors, and now we are online pastors. So yeah. lots That's of different awesome. ministry opportunities. That's awesome. Now, I want to kind of like dial in, and I know that there's a couple stories that we've asked you to share today regarding your two boys. God's really shown up and done some great things. Now, I know that you've raised your boys in the church. You've been in ministry your whole lives, but he's really showed up in some big ways in both of your sons' lives recently. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so with Alec, um, kind of a unique situation, Jeremy and I did go through some prodigal years in our 20s, and during that time, we just became so obsessed with our kids' sports, with football, with baseball, and all the different things, and I was trying to be the perfect mom and kind of left everything I learned and knew in my back pocket um, and thought I can come back to that later. I was raised in it. I've seen the power of the Lord, but right now I just want to have fun. You know, we got married mm-hmm. early and we started doing our own thing and uh, just got wrapped up in that world. And at a young age, um, Alec had gone to spend the night with a friend that he played ball with. And uh, something happened that night that changed him forever, changed his life forever, and uh, just caused a lot of anger and resentment. Um, and our family tried to navigate that and walk through it the best way that we could. You know, we didn't know how to, but lots of prayer and lots of support and love. Uh, we thought we were where we needed to be. But those things that happen began to manifest later in his life. And after graduating high school um, and kind of moving into what would become his adult years, uh, he dealt with a lot of um, anger, um, some self-hatred. Alec was always a really good athlete, really good football player, really good wrestler, really good baseball player, varsity in the ninth grade. I mean, just... Super cute. Yeah, he is very <laughs> handsome. <laughs> if I do say so myself, he he's very handsome. Uh, so he he kind of took a shift that was odd to all of us. I mean, we thought, how in the world? This boy has always been full of life, and he's been popular, and he's been fun, and 
you know, now here we are, and we moved from the south side to the north side, so we took him away from all of his friends, and that wasn't the intention. We actually moved to do ministry, but I think the move affected him. There was just a lot of things where he found himself in depression. He found himself alone and isolated and Mm -hmm. uh, just, you know, not knowing where his next turn was. His brother was out there living the dream. You know, he was going to college. He had a steady girlfriend was talking about marriage, and Alec was just sort of stuck, you know, in this place. And he uh, was about to start college, and we got a call from one of his friend's parents, the one he was supposed to be rooming with, and they said, hey, you know, some things have happened here, and and we're going to make our son wait a year before he goes to school. And so Jeremy and I sat down and talked to Alec and said, look, we really don't feel comfortable with you moving in with a stranger, um, we're going to ask you to to wait back a year or two. And I think that kind of crushed him. Mm. And uh, so he just, everything was kind of up in the air for Alec. And so um, I was going to start this school, this ministry school. And I had come to a place in my life in ministry where I was just tired of running. I had been running for a long time, doing a lot of events away from the family. Just, you know how it is, you run the rat race of ministry. Yes. And I found myself in a place where I wanted to pull back from all the things I was doing and just sit at the feet of Jesus and say, Lord, I'll lay down every title just to be closer to you, to hear from you, to go be a student again. And so I saw where Alec was, and I asked him to join me. And I said, Alec, why don't you come to this this school with me, this Bible college? And uh, I'll never forget the look he gave me. We were standing in the kitchen, and he just kind of shrugged it off and rolled mm-hmm. his eyes. And he's like, no, nah, I'm not going. I don't. I don't really want to go. No, thank you. And for years, Jeremy and I tried to get him to watch shows about the Lord, you know, just sit down and watch this this show about Jesus. And we were, you know, trying to pour into him. And he thought we were crazy. He'd hear me walking around the house speaking in tongues. And, uh-huh. and he would tell his friends, oh, don't pay any attention. That's just my mom, you know. She's, <laughs> he didn't understand any of it, you know. He didn't understand why we devoted our lives to the Lord. And so... I asked him to go to this school with me, and and um, through reluctancy and um, you know really not wanting to go, he finally agreed that he would go. And I'll never forget taking the picture of me and him standing on the front porch, and we had our little book bags. I borrowed a book bag from my oldest daughter. So can I, mommy is going back to school. Can I borrow in my forties? I'm going back to school. Can mommy borrow your book bag? And so she gave me a book bag with so big, cute. big, bright, shiny, glittery stars uh-huh. all over it. And I'm like, Alec, go get you a book bag. He's like, Mom, I really don't want to be doing this, and I really don't want to be saying cheese for this picture. But he did, and um, there was a dress code, and he was all bitter about that. He didn't want to dress up to go and just did not want to be there. Mm. And um, about 16 weeks in, we started learning about the covenant that the Lord gives us through Jesus, and we started learning about the atoning blood, and we started learning about the why behind the what. Mm -hmm. Why did Jesus have to die? Why did he? What kind of love is this, you know, that he would choose to come down from his throne and step into a place where he dwelt among people to get to know them, you know, and he died as a sacrifice for us so that we could be in covenant with him forever, you know? So Alec's going through this class and he's learning about the Lord. He's learning about the why behind the what, and he realized how loved he is by the Father, And I'll never forget this. I walked into his room 
And he looked up at me with tears in his eyes, so many tears in his eyes and bloodshot. And I said, are you okay? And he said, mama, he's real. Mm. He's really, really real. And I said, yes, he is. He's real. And he loves you so much. And he said, mom, I heard from Jesus last night. Like I heard the voice of God. And he said, I'll never be the same. Mm. And he walked me through a dream that he had. He said for years he had been running in an open field towards a tree. And he said he just couldn't get there. But he knew that if he could reach that tree, that he would climb to safety and be okay. And he said he just kept having this dream and he didn't understand it. And he said this night he had the dream and he reached the tree and he said that the Lord told him that he could, that he had the authority to rebuke the things off of his life. And he told him in his dream, he said, Alec, I want you to rebuke these things and call them out by name. And Alec said, mom, in my dream, I reached into myself, like almost like a picture of him reaching into his own mind. And he started pulling things off of him and he called them by name. And he said, anger, be gone in the name of Jesus. Mm. Fear be gone in the name of Jesus. And he just started depression, be gone in the name of Jesus. And he said, he saw these things come off of him like shadows and he was pulling them off. And he said, mom, I felt so much freedom. He said, there were five things on me. And I told them all that they had to leave in Jesus name. And he said, I woke up and I felt so free. I felt so light. And he said, I felt the peace of God. For the first time, he said, you and dad have talked about it and you've cried about it. And he said, you've done all these things to show that like you knew that. And I was wondering what I was missing. Why can't I feel it? Why can't I see it? And he said, I didn't realize that there was this barrier that the enemy had this veil over my eyes, these scales over my eyes that were caused from hurt and pain and rejection and depression. And that I was holding on to that thing that happened to me when I was younger and I allowed it to build strongholds in my life Mm. and to build bitterness and anger and anxiety. And those things were controlling me and I didn't even realize it. And he said, so the Lord in his faithfulness walked me through freedom in my sleep. (laughs) Like he's so faithful. (laughs) He will rescue you. So I walked into the kitchen the next morning and I went to make coffee and I, I went to dump all the, you know, the coffee grounds out into the trash can. And when I flipped my foot on the little trash can lever and the the lid popped open, I saw a PlayStation in the trash can. (laughs) I mean, a PlayStation, like a PS4, an expensive PlayStation and controllers. And he used that with his TV to play games. He would use it to uh, turn on the TV and watch movies. It was kind of the console for everything. Mm -hmm. Everything was tied to that. And so I hollered out, Alec? Did you throw away your PlayStation? <laughs> Thinking this is expensive. You could have given right. it to someone or sold it, you know? So I said, Alec, did you throw away your PlayStation? He said, yes, ma'am, you know, from the room. And so I said, what's going on? And I walked over to him and he said, well, I'm saying yes to no more distractions. Come on. And he said, if I'm going to do this thing, I'm going to do it with everything I am. He's like, I'm diving into Jesus, mom. He's like, I'm going to learn all about him. And he said, I can't be distracted by the TV or video games or anything else. And now this boy is preaching. He's teaching. (laughs) He's being invited to go places and speak. And he's studying constantly in the word 
at any given time, if Alec is at home, you could walk in his bedroom and he is behind. For Christmas, as a matter of fact, last year, bought him a desk for his bedroom uh-huh. so that he would have a place to study. And he sits there and he studies the Word of God and he cries about everything. Oh. He cries about the goodness of God. He cries about the mercy of God. He cries about the grace of God. He cries about the correction. I mean, all of it he just embraces and welcomes. And so he's definitely gone from darkness to light radically, very mm-hmm. quickly, and it's evident all over him. And now he's mentoring other boys and girls, really, through all the things that he's gone through. And yeah. he's saying, hey, he just got back from Honduras, went and walked through deliverance with somebody in Honduras, somebody wow. who was walking through some really crazy things in their life. And Alec was able to walk into that room full of authority, knowing who he was in Jesus, knowing that Holy Spirit was with him, in him, around him, before him, behind him. And he walked in and he spoke to that demon and he told him where to go. And this boy was delivered Come and is completely different. Yeah. And so God is just faithful. He is absolutely faithful. That is incredible, but that's our God. He is. He is is so amazing. (laughs) So amazing. So I think to really give our listeners like, you know, some understanding about like how radical that was. I remember telling, I remember you telling me like you had kicked him out, hadn't you? Yes. Like, tell us a little bit about that right before this all happened. Absolutely. Well, hurt people hurt people, right? right? We all know that. And oftentimes hurt people don't realize that they're manifesting all of those emotions Mm -hmm. in the way that they respond to people, talk to people. You know, they know that they're, they're hurt because they're hurt, but they don't realize that their facial expressions, their attitudes are actually communicating what's on the inside of them, Mm -hmm. right? Whatever's in us is going to come out of us. And so he always thought that something was wrong with us. Well, you guys are just on my case all the time. Are you this? Are you that? But honestly, what it was is he was walking around hurt. And so anger was coming out. Frustration was coming out. We could ask him to do one little thing. And his response was short-tempered and irritated and it just acted like he wanted nothing to do with anything. I mean, we could ask him to do a simple task and it was like, oh, seriously, you're asking me right now? No, I can't go do that. I don't have time to do that. I'm running Mm -hmm. late for this. I have to go to that. And there was just so much dishonor and there was so much back talk and there was so much um, just attitude in our house. And we have two small kids too living in the home. And at the time, my mom and my grandmother were also living with us and we were trying to take care of my grandmother. And um, And his attitude had just gotten to a place where we were all walking on eggshells, mm-hmm. the whole family. I mean, we're walking on eggshells. We didn't want him to wake up, you know. It's not like we wanted him, you know. I get it. We get, <laughs> we were like, oh, when his feet hit the floor in the morning, you yeah. know. Um, there was just anxiety in the whole house because of his attitude. And uh, so we were all tense around him and it just got to a place where me and Jeremy would sit and talk and say, what can we do? We're praying. I mean, we were praying constantly, praying for him, fasting for him, wondering what is it? What is wrong? Like, why is he acting like this all the time? And what can we do to help? We tried to just be overly loving, overly compassionate, overly understanding, sit and talk with him, you know, plan things, plan family trips. And none of it seemed to work. He was just angry. And so 
we had gotten to a place one day where um, I just had enough. We'd gone on a walk and we had taken my grandmother out with us and I had the girls and they had their bicycles and we were walking through some trails in our neighborhood down to the lake and I'd pushed my grandmother in a wheelchair through some paths that we probably shouldn't have because there was really no hope of getting back up in the wheelchair, but I wanted to wheel her down to the lake so she could see it. She was 90, and so I wanted to get her down there so she could enjoy the breeze and watch the ripples and let the girls kind of sit on the dock. And And so I said, yeah, come on, we can make it. You just you know, push Granny down the hill. It's going to be okay. You know, just hold on to her tight. And so we also had a dog on a leash with us. It was a hot mess looking back <laughs> at it. Like we should not have been trying to do it that way. But we finally it. made it all the way down the hill. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, I'm mom. So I'm like trying to keep grandma all together, trying to keep the girls happy. I'm like, this will be a good day. We're going to go to the lake. It's going to be great. And the whole way down, you know, he's just griping at the girls and nipping at them for everything. And, you know, stay over here. Don't do this. Don't do that. And mom don't push her that way and pull pull back on this way and the dog's acting crazy and he was just frustrated and so the whole walk I I was just like if he says one more word if he says one more word you know (laughs) and for all of you listening that have children you know exactly what I'm talking about just like just just one more word that's all I need just say one more thing (laughs) and so we had gotten all the way down there and I said, just take it easy. They have a mom. They don't need you to tell them what to do. <laughs> you know, they have a mother, and she's standing right here. And he said, fine. If you want to do it, do it yourself. And he had been holding my cell phone, and he dropped my cell phone right there in front of me, and he turned around, and he walked away. Mm-hmm. And he walked himself all the way back to the house and left me in the woods by a lake with my 90-year-old grandmother, my two little girls, their bikes, and a dog. And so here I am standing in the middle of this situation thinking, Lord, I know I'm saved and I know that your grace is sufficient for me. And my prayers have all gone up. Lord, I need you to release every blessing in heaven right now because I really was so angry in that moment. I was frustrated. I was hurt and I wanted to respond the right way in front of my girls. I wanted to honor my grandmother and I didn't know how I was going to get them all out of there. Um, Because it was hard getting them down there. And I Mm -hmm. thought, how am I going to push this wheelchair back through this path? How am I going to get the kids up? So I called Jeremy and I said, "Um, I'm about to say something and I need you to support me. And he said, what is it? And I said, well, I'm about to ask Alec to leave the house. And um, he said, okay. And he knew that there was a lot leading up to that. Yeah, when mama gets to that point. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I just couldn't. I just couldn't wrap my head around around that. And I knew that there was some there was a spirit behind that. I mm-hmm. knew it. I mean, we just know when you're walking with the Lord, you know. And so I called him and I said, You gotta go. You gotta go. Whenever you get back to the house, you go ahead and pack your things and leave. And so, of course, there were anger outbursts and there was punching of walls and all kinds of things, which I'm glad I was not there to see any of that. But when I got home, he had made a mess of things to pack his his bags, and I knew exactly where he was going, and I just began to pray, and I said, Lord, I release him, mm-hmm. and that's where it was. I had to come to the place where I knew I couldn't fix it, mm-hmm. and I had to release him yeah. and allow the Lord to do what only the Lord can do, and I cried like a baby when I told him to leave, and it hurt more than anything, I think still to this day more than anything I've ever walked through. And I just prayed and I said, Lord, you've got to take the wheel from here. 
because nothing I'm doing seems to be working. And so we just released him to the Lord. We literally said that. Jeremy and I held hands and we got on our knees that night. Sorry. And we just said, Lord, we release him to you. Yeah. And he came back, and it was in within that next few weeks that I asked him to go to the ministry school with me. And I told him, if you're going to be living in this house and you're not going to school right now, I want you to do this with me. You, we need this. Our family needs this. I need you to understand who Jesus is and who he can be and wants to be for you because these things that you're walking through, they're not from him. And you can't live this way forever. You can't live angry. You can't hold on to the past. You have to get in a place where you allow the Lord to heal you. And of course, he didn't want to hear it. And then that morning when I walked in and he said, he did it, mom. He did it. He's real. He's really real. And he's so different. You know, I have people walking up to me. He is absolutely. He's so different. I mean, he is. It is so beautiful to see. It is. I've had people walk up to me just this week and say, can you tell me if I were to buy him a Christmas present, what would it be? Because he's just blessed my family so much, and Aww. he's been discipling my son who was walking through this or that, and and he's completely a different person because he's been walking close to him, and, and he's been showing him, and it's just so beautiful to see how the Lord can take somebody so broken and take what the enemy meant for harm and use it for good to save so many more lives. And that's been the most beautiful thing to see is the Lord through him. You know, it's one of Absolutely. those things you can definitely tell, hey, this is not Alec. This is Jesus. Yes. This is all him. Night and day difference. Could have done that. Yes. <laughs> From being kicked out of the house to hands raised at the altar, <laughs> worshiping the Lord, saying, God, you're good. I mean, that's only Jesus. Yes. Jesus. That's what I love about your story. And that's what we're talking about today. It's just this anticipation. You had this anticipation. You had this hope. You gave it to Jesus. And then what did he do? He exceeded. He exceeded your expectations in this. I mean, you probably were not expecting it to be like the way that it is now. It's so much better than what you probably even imagined it could be. It's better than what I prayed for. Yeah. You know, when we settle sometimes like that, we say, Lord, if you could just get him into a place where he could see you and know who you are and just honor you, that's good enough for me. God, I just want him to be rescued. You know, I don't want my son to walk through anything that leads him to the other side. I want want him to be on your side. But then the Lord goes, no, no, no. I'm going to do it even better. (laughs) I'm going to do it pressed down, shaken together and overflowing. Watch this. You asked for this little thing, Mm -hmm. but I want him to more than know me. I want him to serve me. And more than that, I want him to lead other people to serve me. And that's exactly what he did. Come on. He just flipped it (laughs) on his head. It's beautiful. Love it, love it, love it, love it. Well, that's just one of your stories. I know. Are you guys in tears yet? I know. So good. I mean, he's been so faithful to you. And that's what, you know, I do want to kind of say that to everybody. We've been spending so much of this year talking about sowing and reaping and cultivating. And what we've got to remember is a lot of times when we are serving the Lord, when we are pouring ourselves out, when we're ministering to others and we're being faithful to the things that God has called us to do. And it doesn't mean that everything's going to be easy. It doesn't mean that we're not going to, in our own family, have hurdles and setbacks and issues that arise. But God's faithful. And when we give to Him and serve Him and sow into His kingdom, He will come back. (laughs) (laughs) We don't know when it's going to happen, how it's going to happen, but He will always exceed our expectations. He will always go further 
do more than we could ever hope, think, or imagine, because that's just who he is. And so we asked Andy to come and share today because, again, like we said, she has lived out practically so many of the things that we've talked about over this past year, and she's seen the fruit. You know, she's reaping the harvest from just a life of loving God and believing God and standing in faith. And even when it's, you know, been hard in her own family, you know, she's been you know, ministering to others and seeing their families prosper and having to go home and like deal with, you know, real challenges and setbacks in our own family. So if you're out there and, you know, you're struggling and you feel like you're like hitting your head against the wall with a situation in your own family, don't give up. Just hold on because you never know when that moment's going to come. God's faithful to his promises. He will not fail you. He'll never let you down. He's always on time yeah. and he can bring breakthrough. That's the whole um, message mm-hmm. of Christmas, yeah. right? Yeah. So that's um, a little bit about Alec. Now, talk to us. You know, in the last episode, we talked about how oftentimes when you're at a place of breakdown, you're actually really close to a breakthrough. So God did something pretty incredible in Austin's life. Yes, Tell us about that. Yeah, so my oldest had moved away three to four hours away from where we were, and uh, he was by himself in a little apartment in not such a good part of town. And uh, that was very hard. Any any parents watching right now who sent your first off to college, I'm sure that you know exactly what mm-hmm. I'm saying. As a mom dropping your child off at college and saying goodbye after they've been with you every day for 18, 19 years, you know, and then you're leaving them at college and saying goodbye, that turnaround and walk away is brutal. It's brutal. You know, it's like, hey, I'm going to give you everything. Like I can barely make it home. We cried. <laughs> we cried for weeks. Oh, Ugh. it's hard. It's so hard. It and you just. Better. Yeah, you just hope. I hope so. I mean, I still, it has gotten better for us too, but um, there's still moments. I'm just like, man, I love it when all of my mm-hmm. my ducks are in a row, when all my little chickens are under the same, <laughs> you know, the same roof. But um, I'll never forget driving away from the campus and leaving him there thinking, A, this is my first child moving away and living by themselves in college. B, he's going to college to be a pilot. And so the next time I see him, he will be flying in the air. That's kind of scary. (laughs) It's unlike watching them ride away on a bicycle or getting their license and watching them pull out of the driveway for the first time. (laughs) It's so much different than their first roller coaster or their first water slide. When you see them take off into the clouds and they're flying the plane by themselves, (laughs) there's a little weak need things that are kind of happening. It's like, oh, Lord Jesus, please literally take that wheel. You know, send angels, do whatever you have to. But so we were in a place, Jeremy and I both, where we'd sent him off to college. He's by himself. He's in one of the highest crime rate cities in Georgia. And um, he's living here. He's living with a roommate at the time who was not saved, didn't know the Lord, wanted to party, um, constantly bringing people in and out of the house. Austin's trying to study. He's, you know, trying to dive in and learn. And uh, and so 
it was hard for us to release him. And we, to make it even worse, we moved an hour north from where he was after he went to college. So we were thinking, oh, it's not so bad. You know, he's he's close enough to make a day out of it if we leave early in the morning and come back late at night. Mm-hmm. You know, we can see him. But then we moved even further. And so it made it hard. But uh, there was one night that I talked to Austin on the phone, and I could tell in his voice that he had hit a really um, low place. He sounded depressed. His voice sounded um, just so lonely. And and he was, you know, he was trying to to eat like spam sandwiches and trying to rub two nickels together yeah. to make a quarter. You know, he just didn't he didn't have what he needed. Um, he was working three different jobs and going to school. And one of his jobs was actually at a hospital uh, watching suicide patients, making wow. sure that you know they were safe. And so uh, he was just walking through a lot and a lot of stress with school, a lot of stress with all of the things that he had coming up and then just being alone. And so uh, one night, I'll never forget this, it was nine o'clock at night and I was at church and we were in the middle of revival and worship was going. And this particular night, I don't believe that there was even a sermon preached. The Holy Spirit it just came. The glory was so thick in the mm-hmm. room that people were literally on their faces, just you know, crying before the Lord. And I remember around nine o'clock, I just fell to my face, and they captured a picture of it. You know, I used to be like, "Why do people walk around churches taking pictures?" <laughs> you know, that's so invasive. But I'm glad that they did this night because it's a memory I'll never forget. I literally hit my face and started praying for him. And I felt in that moment, you know, parents pray for their kids all the time, but this was a moment I felt that Holy Spirit was praying for Austin and needed me to just get on my face and be obedient. You know, he'll do that sometimes. When he knows what's going on in another place in the world or another place across the country or the state, he'll call on his children to pray. Yeah, he will. And I I think, am I biased because it's my child? But in that moment, I remember feeling this sense of urgency from the Lord where standing upright wouldn't do in that moment. The Mm -hmm. Lord wanted me on my face and interceding. And I fell on my face in that moment, and I just started praying and crying out to the Lord, God, send him someone. And I saw him Mm -hmm. in my prayer sitting in this apartment in the middle of the ghetto by himself, depressed, alone, sad, not being able to afford, you know, whatever he needed and and feeling stressed and wanting to quit everything. And I just started praying into that. Lord, just show yourself to him, you know, send somebody, send one of your faithful servants that hear your voice, that know you, that love you to speak life into him. Because Austin was raised in church, but he kind of went through this stage in his life where he was more interested in you know, being a part of a fraternity and the whole college scene, you know, he was more interested in that. And so um, I said, Lord, I know that he remembers stories of you. Would you bring him to his memory? Would you bring those stories back up in his heart? You know, hopeless situations that he learned about in the Bible where you just came through and you were victorious. Remind him that you can do that in his own life. Father, please just send him somebody. And I woke up the next morning to a text message. And this text message was from a person that I met on the north side of Georgia <laughs> a couple years earlier. And this person said, hey, uh, I've moved back to Eastman. 
He said, my parents live here and they own some land. And uh, I moved back and I'm actually a pilot and I've gone through the whole thing to get my license, but now I'm going to go back to be an instructor. And he said, does your son still live in Eastman? And I said, he does. And he said, okay, well, listen, I was up pacing the floors all night last night. He said, I couldn't sleep. And he said, my wife and I just became the young adults pastor in our church. And he said, there was a stirring that started happening around 9 o'clock p.m. <laughs> last night. <laughs> and he said, he said, I just kept thinking, call Andy and ask her about her son. He said, do you think it would be weird if mm. I called him and introduced myself to him and invited him to our young adult's Bible study? And I said, you are not going to believe this. <laughs> and I just had to hold the phone. Yeah. Like, what in the world is happening right now? I said, you're not going to believe this. Last night I was on my face before the Lord praying that he would send somebody that heard from him, that knows his voice, to speak life into my son. And something about Austin that's uh, interesting is he loves to hunt and fish, mm -hmm. loves to hunt and fish. He's a country boy. He loves the cowboy hats and the cowboy boots, and he yeah, plays guitar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he loves to play guitar. And his first job was actually working on a farm, you know, cleaning the hooves out of Clydesdale horses. <laughs> oh my goodness. He's, you know, he knows all about the tractor driving and the, you know, the horses and all the things. And so, real man stuff. Yeah, the real man <laughs> stuff. I remember one time he came home with uh, calloused hands and I said, baby, how was your day at work? He said, mama, you know, those big, huge boxes in Walmart and Kroger, you know, the ones that hold the watermelons? And I said, yeah. He said, okay, well, uh, I filled one of those up today with peaches. <laughs> and he said, peaches that I picked oh my with goodness. my hands. Oh my goodness, wow. <laughs> so he definitely knows, he knows all about work. that yeah. hard work and that farm life. But he loves to hunt. He loves to fish. And uh, so Adam called and he said, hey, if you don't think it would be weird for me to reach out to him, I would love to invite him to the young adults Bible study. And I said, please do. I was just praying last night for this. And he said, okay. He said, well, I live right up the road from the college and from the school. And he said, from the flight school. And he said, so if it's not weird, like we would love to have him over for dinner. He said, my parents own land and we hunt and fish all the time. We get the four wheelers <laughs> out. So here's what God did. He not only sent somebody that hears from him, but he sent somebody just like Austin. This guy has become a best friend to my son. Come they on. are two peas in a pod. <laughs> they go hunting together. They go fishing together. They talk about Jesus together. And his wife is precious. And she has become friends with Austin's fiance. And they all, they just love each other. And mm. they're so like-minded and they get along so well. And so he ended up calling Austin and saying, hey, I know you don't know me. He said, but I have a relationship with your mom. And he said, and I just wanted to reach out and see if you would be willing to go. And Austin said, yeah. So he called, he said, hey, some guy, <laughs> some guy called me. You're like, this is not just some guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and a funny story, and I'll be quick about this one, but a funny story about this couple is that two years prior to this thing happening, they had invited me and Jeremy out 
to lunch one day after church, and we didn't really know them well, but they were youth pastors at the time at the church that we were assistants at. And so we went out to lunch with them, and as we were talking to them, they said, hey, we would just love for you and Jeremy to speak into our lives and to mentor us and to kind of walk through life with us. And about a week after they said that, we were transitioned to another campus, and we couldn't be that for them in the way that we would have wanted to be. And so we always wondered, well, wow, if they really, you know, we believe that they heard from the Lord in that, and we believe that we heard by saying yes, but how is this going to work? Mm-hmm. You know, we're not in the same building as them anymore. We're not on staff together anymore. We're not doing ministry anymore together. And so how is this going to play out? How is it going to look? And little did I know that I would receive a phone call two years later from this same couple that I met three and a half hours away. Yeah, I met them on the north side and they were needed on the south side. Come on. And they went to a little map dot. Now this town has like one stoplight, you guys. It's so small. (laughs) What are the odds that Um, the Lord would send a couple, a pilot at the same school that my son would be going to that had gone years before my son ever enrolled all the way to the north side to be in ministry on staff with Jeremy and I to take us out to lunch and get to know us for one little meeting where yep. they would get to know us and we would exchange information yeah. for then two years later for me to be on my face crying out, Lord, send somebody and then get a call from somebody to say, hey, I moved back to this specific place and I do this specific job and my hobbies are the same exact hobbies as your son <laughs> and I'm working in ministry for the same age group as your son and God told me last night to call you and invite him <laughs> And now that is the greatness. It is so good. the majesty and the wonder yeah. that we wanted your hearts to be filled with at Christmas time. Yes, that's our God. Yeah, you wrecking so me, good. Andy Jones. I, know, I, <laughs> yeah, I just pulled him out, and I now know. yeah, I mean just he's good. just so good. Yeah, he's so good. And he knows the intimate details of our lives. Like it says, there's not even a hair on our head that he doesn't know about. He's familiar with all of our ways, and this is who Jesus is. Yeah. He comes. He rescues, he delivers, he helps, and he meets us when we need him most. Yeah. So, so faithful. You know what I just thought about that's so beautiful about this particular story? And the Lord just brought it to my memory, to my mind, really. And maybe somebody needs to hear this right now. Sitting at that table having lunch with them, I had no idea that land was already owned and a house was established in a town where my son would be living two Mm. years later. But God knew. In that moment that we were having lunch, in that moment that we were exchanging conversation, the Lord knew in two years, your son, and I had no clue, Mm -hmm. your son will be there in an empty apartment, alone, feeling abandoned, broke, hopeless, not knowing what's going to happen next. But don't you worry about it. It's going to come and it's going to look bad, but I already own land there. Mm -hmm. I already have a servant (laughs) there. His son is here sitting at the table with you, getting to know you, but he's going to be on assignment in a couple years to rescue you. And this meeting that has happened right now is going to mean so much. Yeah. 
in a couple years. Yeah. Isn't that incredible? It is. I, I just think about like <laughs> the smile, yeah. the smile mm-hmm. on Jesus's face going, this meeting that's happening right now, yeah. watch what unfolds in two years. <laughs> right? I mean, it's just crazy <laughs> how is. he does that. It is. When you experience these things, you know, like how incredible God is. It's mind blowing when you stop and you actually think about the way that he works. There are not, you know, there are so many things that go on in our life that we ha- we really have no idea yeah. the, the magnitude or the significance of them yeah. at the time. And so just as you guys are listening today, I know I'm like wrecked. Yes. Uh, Lauren's wrecked. We're all crying <laughs> over here. I can't see my notes. Um, but just hold on because... God's faithful. I know we keep saying it again. I mean, just don't give up and don't give in. If you're praying for your kids right now, you know, just follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Intercede for them. We did that whole episode on cultivating an environment where kids thrive. This is just an example of of what that practically looks like Mm -hmm. because God will answer those prayers. Um, He has a way of just exceeding like anything we could ever hope or imagine. Yeah. He does it every single time. Well, Andy, um, that's obviously amazing. I do want you to take just a minute because I know that you have witnessed, you and Jeremy both have witnessed not only miracles in your own lives, but you are definitely been in church. You've done street minute. You've done a lot. Of, you've seen up close and personal miracles. And I think all of us, at least the girls, I know we got men listeners out there. 40% of you (laughs) remember (laughs) are men. Y'all probably don't love all the Christmas miracle movies (laughs) like us girls do, but I really believe in my heart that as we've been sharing today, that God is, he's producing uh, miracle stories. And so I want to just open, you know, the floor to you and just say, whatever God puts on your heart, whatever the Holy Spirit, if you want to just share any of those miracles, encourage people to believe God, um, just whatever he has, um, yeah. story-wise or whatever, to just continue to stir people's faith. I just, I want you to feel you know, welcome to share any of that. Absolutely. The Lord started introducing me to miracles uh, when something happened in my in my own life that was an unbelievable, undeniable, completely uh, transformational moment. And I definitely could not leave you today without telling you guys about this because this is really what uh, what woke me up. And there was definitely an awakening about 12 years ago where I started to see miracles all over the place. And it was as if the Lord wanted me to see miracles, to do exactly what we're doing today, to tell those people who are listening that He is a miracle-working God. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so, you know, if you're walking through a season in your life where you feel like you're not seeing miracles, you're not seeing uh, the manifestations of what you've been praying for come to fruition, 
these things are what the Lord wants you to see through testimonies. And so the reason I wanted to say that before I even go into miracles is because the word testimony in the Greek means to do it again, essentially. So as you hear these testimonies, I want you to grab them for yourself. Grab them for yourself and apply them to your life. Reach up and just receive it for you. So if you've been walking through any of these things, if you have a prodigal son that you've been praying for, a son or daughter, uh, reach out and receive that testimony as yours and apply that to your own life. If you have a, a child in college or someone who's far away that you can't get to, maybe you have a son or daughter in the military um, and they're alone, just know that you can take these things, these miracles, these stories, and apply them to your own life and tell the Lord, you know, your servant said, you did this, God, do it again, do it again. And so the first time uh, I think I can remember really seeing just an unbelievable miracle changed my life forever. Jeremy and I uh, could not have children after Alec. So many people ask us, uh, why do you have kids 10 years apart? You know, we've got kids in their 20s and kids, you know, that are like 9 and 12. And they say, (laughs) why in the world would you start all over? And it's not that we chose to start all over. We just couldn't have children. You know, we kept trying after Alec to have kids and we prayed and we just couldn't, I couldn't get pregnant. And so... I remember um, going to a Sunday night service uh, in McDonough one night, and I was going with my brother. And the reason I was there is because my brother had been given a report that he only had a few months to live. My brother was born with a terminal illness called cystic fibrosis, and he was told that he would not reach 10 years old. The doctors told him whenever he was diagnosed, you know, he's not going to see adolescence. Um, It's, you know, this is a terminal disease Mm -hmm. and it's not good. And so his whole life, you know, we watched him just suffer with this disease and not being able to breathe, not being able to participate in sports or anything like that. And so he had been given this report that he was... um, had a a short time to live and he invited us to his church. And so Jeremy and I went to the church that night and uh, there was a man there preaching named Danny Johnston. And he called me out of the crowd and he said, come here for a minute. He said, the Lord wants to give you a double portion. And he had already called me up earlier that night and had prophesied some things over me. And so I came up and he said, your womb is broken. And this was a church that, you know, not many people there knew me, and this man was preaching from out of town. Mm -hmm. And he said, your womb is broken. He said, the Lord wants you to know today, in the name of Jesus, you are healed. Go home, get the nursery ready. The baby is on the way. (laughs) And what this man didn't know and what nobody else in that place knew is that I had just recovered from a very bad miscarriage where um, I had to have a blood transfusion. I was operating with a hemoglobin of four. Um, Wow. I was losing blood for so long that the doctors told me, had you just been walking through a store and your hemoglobin went from 12 to four that quickly, you would have dropped dead. But because your body has become acclimated to losing it over a course of time. And what it was is that I had a... um, I had a a tear in my uterus, and it was creating a blood clot. And so the baby was still alive, and so we were trying really hard to 
keep the baby. And so they put me on bed rest and I had this, this uh, blood clot that just continued to grow in my uterus. And so they said, you know, just make sure you stay laying down and, and hopefully your body will absorb the blood clot. And so after struggling for many, many weeks to keep the pregnancy, I went to the doctor and they said, we're sorry, but there's no heartbeat. And I was just crushing because I had gone through so much. I felt like me and this baby were fighting together, mm-hmm. you know, for the baby to stay alive. And so I went in for the DNC after the miscarriage and they weren't able to get it all. And so they sent me back again for another DNC. And the doctor said he didn't even want to operate on me because my blood was so low. I didn't have enough blood to go Mm -hmm. into surgery. And so they wanted to give me a blood transfusion. And so there was just so much heartbreak attached to that, so much struggle. And now, fast forward, I'm standing in this church service, broken, you know, feeling like, Lord, I've been trying for 10 years to have a baby. I know my family's not done. And so when that pastor called me up to the front and he said, your womb is broken, but today you are healed. Go home and get the nursery ready. (laughs) I knew in that moment that I was hearing from the Lord. I'll never forget the look in his eyes. It looked like eyes of fire looking back at me. And I knew that he was a man, right? But I also saw Holy Spirit through him looking at me, speaking to me saying, don't be discouraged. Yeah, I've not left you. I've not forsaken you. I've not forgotten your prayers. The baby's coming. <laughs> and so I remember being so The baby's full. coming. It's Christmas, y'all. <laughs> the right. baby's coming. I hope and you hear so, that in the spirit. <laughs> that so, answer's coming. Yes. So I was so full of faith. And, and I just, I've, I've been able to use this testimony so many times to help people and have been able to lay hands on countless women. I mean, last time I counted, we're up in the hundreds of women who have come to me and said, I cannot get pregnant. And I've prayed over them and they've gotten pregnant. And I believe that it's because I have the faith to see it come to pass. And in that moment, I had the faith to see it come to pass. And there was something different about that word that went out over me. I didn't leave that service in doubt. I didn't leave that service questioning or wondering, God, really? Could you really do that? I knew that I knew that I knew that I had been healed and I was walking out my healing. And six weeks later, I went to the doctor and I took a test and they said, you're pregnant. You're about four weeks pregnant. And, uh, Nine months later, here she comes, and on the C-section table, you know, being operated on, the doctor called some of the nurses over and said, look at this. This is a true miracle. And uh, so anyway, they asked, do you want us to tie your tubes? You know, I think it it wouldn't be wise for you to get pregnant again. And I said, no, I don't think I'm ready for that. I don't think I want you to tie my tubes. (laughs) No, thank you. No, Annie Jo's like, more. Uh, No. (laughs) So more, Lord, more. And so uh, he did. So here comes another one, another girl. And I remember praying and telling the Lord and being specific, God, I want a girl. And this is what I want her to be like. And uh, at two years old, I walked into my kitchen and I caught my little Aniston, my little miracle baby. She was on her knees and she had her hands lifted and she had tears rolling down her cheeks. And I said, Aniston, baby, what are you doing? And she said, Jesus, give me to you. And I said, what did you say? She said, Jesus, hymns give me to you. And I said, yes, he did. Yes, he did. And I said, why are you crying? She said, 
I love him so much. She was two, two years old. And so this little baby um, has been such a blessing to us. And I just feel the Lord smiling on me every single time I think about that story. And it was that that day, that night, uh, the Lord opened my eyes to... um, Just open my eyes to um, how much he wants us to know that he truly does love us. And his desire is to heal us. He wants us to be healed. And I started noticing miracles all over the place. I started noticing the miracle of creation, right? Like sometimes we say, man, Lord, I need a miracle. I need a miracle. And he's saying, look around. Right. Look around. Look all around you. The air you breathe is a miracle. The trees that are growing all around you are a miracle, you know? And so I just started to look at the beauty that is creation, right? I started, after this this prophetic word went out over me and after I knew I was healed and, and I had this growing belly, I would look down and think like, wow, you're so good. I would go through the grocery stores and be like, have you ever walked through your produce aisle? Do you realize that God gave us peppers in orange and green and yellow red. and red? And like, have you ever thought about fruits? Like, look at it. I mean, really, really look at this. Like he could have been boring, but he chose to give us strawberries and peaches and raspberries and blackberries and blueberries. And oh my goodness, have you ever eaten a plum and pineapples? He's so good. He even put a wrapper on our banana because he knew that it was sticky and yucky. And so he put a wrapper on it. And have you ever thought that like, he's such a miracle working God, like he gave us everything we needed to survive and live and the beauty of the earth and all the things. And so I just remember being so radical and enamored by like, just the wonder. The wonder and the awe of who he is. And he started showing me, Andy, if you could just get it, if you could just understand it, I'll show you more. I felt this pleasure in the Lord that he was saying, when my children open their eyes and understand that I am who I say I am, and I can do what my word says that I can do, when we grasp that, when we get that, he begins to open our eyes to so much more. Mm -hmm. He begins to show us the miracles in everything. And so I knew at that point, okay, there's a baby coming. I have to start believing for my brother Mm -hmm. because my brother was given that report. And I knew the authority I had. And the Lord showed me It's not you working. It's me working in and through you. And together we are co-laboring and you're going to see a miracle. And so I remember standing in the hospital room and uh, the Lord said, Andy, I need you to believe. And my brother, he had had a double lung transplant and he wasn't doing good. His chest had filled back up with, uh, with blood and it wasn't looking good. And um, he'd recovered from that, and a few a few days later, I was standing in his hospital room, and we would take shifts. His wife would stay the night, then my mom would stay the night, then I would stay the night, and we would sit by his bedside. And um, so one particular night, I'm going to get back to this in a minute. I just thought of something. The night that his chest started filling back up, 
the doctors called everyone in and the whole room, the whole waiting room was filled with people who had come to pray mm-hmm. for him. The whole church had come up and just started praying for my brother. And uh, they would only let one person go back to the ICU at a time. And you had to have gloves. You had to have your shoes covered, your head covered. You had to wrap up with um, some like yellow paper scrubs, you mm-hmm. know, those real fancy looking yeah. things that make you look like a banana. Yeah. <laughs> and you had to get dressed from head to toe. Mm-hmm. And they would only let like one person back at a time. And so they, the doctor came out to the waiting room and it was full of people, people everywhere. And uh, the doctor came out into the waiting room and he said, anybody and everybody who wants to see him, let's go. Let's go. Like basically saying, he's not going to make it. If you want to come, come now. And so, and it was a long surgery, many, many hours. I mean, I think it was like a 12 hour surgery. And now they had already, you know, uh, put the wires on his chest and wired him up and it wasn't looking good. Mm -hmm. And so his lungs started filling back up with blood. And uh, so they brought us all in and his wife stood up and with all authority pointed to her husband. And she said, Joseph McCann, you shall not die, but you will live to proclaim the works of the Lord. And then she repeated herself. And there were people all around squeezing these uh, platelets into him and, and uh, you know, IVs everywhere, doctors and nurses. They looked scared. They couldn't squeeze the bags fast enough. And there was panic and there was all kinds of machines going off. And he's got a ventilator and he's got, you know, these tubes breathing for his lungs and all kinds mm-hmm. of cords coming out of him. And she said it again, Joseph McCann, I said, you shall not die, but you will live to proclaim the works of the Lord. And so they sent us all out, came back to get us a little while later and said, something's turned, something's happened, and he's doing better. And so my mom's prayer that whole night, and you guys want to capture this, okay? He said, all night long, my mom said, Lord, send somebody to stay beside him and not leave him. Lord, send somebody to watch over him that's going to recognize all the things and, and know what to do in the moment that it needs to be done. I can't lose my son, God. I can't lose my son. And so uh, the next morning after he pulled through the surgery, my mom saw this nurse that was by his side the whole time. He was probably six foot four, big old, big old guy. And uh, he was from another country, and he had a really thick accent. And my mom said, excuse me, excuse me, are you still here? You were here last night with my son. And he said, oh, yes, ma'am. He said, I haven't left, I haven't left his side. And my mom said, can you tell me what your name is? And he said, oh, yes, ma'am. My name is Emmanuel. Oh, my Serious? I'm dead serious. Wow. Yes. I don't know if I need to cry or laugh or like, <laughs> yes. I am like so emotional right now. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this guy, oh this nurse gosh. stays with him and he recovers and he pulls out of this thing. Well, now here we are. And, uh, He's had now a second. That was his first, uh-huh. his first double lung transplant. So now we've had the second double lung transplant and, uh, the second double lung transplant, Uh, came after several years of having healthy lungs. And here he is on the second one. And Can you imagine? Yeah, it's crazy. Like what you have to fight through. Yeah, it's nuts. Mentally. Yeah. So I heard the Lord say, Andy, I need you to believe. And I remember standing beside his bed, and he said, I need you to believe. And I thought, Lord, that's easy for me. I've seen you do so much 
I saw you the last surgery. I saw you with the baby. Like, I know this is easy to believe. And he said, no. He said, you say you believe, but believing is seeing the victory before it happens. I heard the Lord say, I need you to see him walking out of the hospital. Mm. And I said, okay, I can see that. I can see him walking out of here. And then I felt the spirit of the Lord say, something's about to happen. I need you to believe. And I studied later, and I I can tell you about that at another time. But in that moment, I said, okay, I'm going to do my victory dance. He's walking out of here. (laughs) And suddenly, machines start going off, and nurses start running into his room. And just like the Lord had prepared my heart, something's about to happen. It did. They all started coming in, and they all started working on him, and it wasn't looking good. And I started praising the Lord, and I said, he's coming out. I know he's coming out. (laughs) And I called my mom, and I called my sister-in-law, and I said, Joseph's coming out of this thing. And his wife said, really? Because I just heard from the doctor, and they said it's not looking good. I said, I'm telling you right now, the Spirit of the Lord has come upon me, and he told me that Joseph's coming out, and I saw him coming out. And in this moment, all we need to do is believe. He's coming out. He's coming out. And he came out. And so I started looking into <laughs> yeah, the Word. He, did. <laughs> he came out and he's preaching the Word of God. And he's telling people of the goodness of the Lord. And, and he's going to everybody he knows and he's telling them God is good. He's faithful. He's a miracle working God. And I started looking into it and I started to see where Jesus, when he healed people, he said, your faith has made you whole, you know? And I know oftentimes we believe for things to happen and we think, no, Lord, I'm believing. I know who you are. I've seen miracles just like I did that day. And the Lord looks at us and he says, believing is seeing it as if it's already done. Mm -hmm. So we can't pray for something and believe for something and turn around and curse it with our mouths. Well, I just don't know if it's going to happen. Well, I just don't know if the Lord's going to come through this time. Well, either way, whether I get my healing now or on the other side of heaven, these things that we tend to say, you know what I mean? And I believe that that's why the Lord silenced Zechariah, you know, Mm -hmm. because he said, hey, this baby's coming. John the Baptist is coming. And the moment Zacharias started to say, well, I don't know about that, Lord. He said, well, you're going to be quiet for the next nine months <laughs> because you have the power yes, he did. Yes, he because did. you have the power of life and death in your tongue. And you can curse the things that the Lord has on the way without even knowing it. And so the Lord allowed me to see these miracles with my brother, see these miracles with my children, to see all these miracles around me because he, wanted, he wants me and he wants all of us to know that he wants to come through. And this lie that the enemy tries to tell us, hey, he doesn't want this for you, or maybe it's not for now. Maybe it's for later. You're not doing something right or whatever. The Lord wants us to know, no, I Which is really just trying to help us um, rationalize mm-hmm. why we may not be experiencing something. Right. So it's just, it's a coping mechanism. It is. And instead of like relying on that, we need to stay in that place of just persistent faith, trusting that if he said it, he's going to do it. He's going to come through. It's who he is. Absolutely. You know, Andrew Womack wrote a book um, that talks about walking out your miracle, walking out your faith. Whenever the Lord gives you something, even if you pray for your back, my back hurts, you know, and you pray for healing. You may not feel that healing right at the moment. You may not say, oh, I prayed and it's gone. Thank you, Jesus. I'm moving on with my day. But it's called the believer's authority 
The Believer's Authority by Andrew Romack, he said, even if you don't feel better, you walk out that thing you prayed for. He said he, he had fallen in his garage and his wife found him out there. And he said, oh, I'm just hurting so bad. You know, I hurt my back. I can't walk. And she said, did you pray? And he prayed and he asked for healing. She said, now get up and walk. And Andrew Womack said, I got up and I started walking. And with every step, it hurt. But my wife said, you walk out the thing you just prayed. And he said, I did just that. I kept walking and I kept walking and I kept walking. And eventually I felt better. You know, we can't just sit in it. We got to walk out that faith. So good. So, so good. So true. I love that. You know, that reminds me of our episode, um, It's Your Turn. We talked about um, John 5 and, you know, how Jesus told the man that was paralyzed by the water to pick up his mat and walk. And, you know, that's just, that's what this episode's about. That's what we believe. We believe in, you know, having faith in Jesus. And It's your turn, everybody. It's your turn. (laughs) It is your turn for a miracle. So, Andy, I would love it if you could just pray for all of us today. Absolutely. Well, for anyone that's listening right now, um, I would love for you to just do me a favor. And this is something that I like to walk people through at the altar. And it's so important because oftentimes we pray and we get done and we think, Lord, I'm not seeing anything. I don't I don't really understand why you're not moving. And sometimes I think in our busyness, when we go to pray, we're not taking the time to look into his eyes and to pray to the Lord. And so we're going to do this here right now. But for anyone listening, I want you to do it as well. And if you need to turn it off and come back to it and pray at a time where you really can focus, I want you to do that. But I want you to just lift your hands right where you're sitting in a way to just receive, just receive what the Lord has for you because He wants to speak to you. And if you're listening right now and you say, you know what, I've been believing for a miracle. I need a miracle. I need a miracle in my marriage. I need a miracle in my finances. I need a miracle with my children. I need a miracle with my health. I need a miracle in the relationship with the Lord. I've been crying out for Him to speak to me and I need to hear Him. I used to have dreams and visions. I used to really just be able to dial in and now I'm distracted. Whatever it is, whatever that breakthrough looks like to you, I want you to capture this and not just walk away with a prayer and not really focusing. So if you're listening, go ahead and and lift your hands right now. And I want you to get a picture in your mind of Jesus. Picture him wherever you see him. Maybe he's right there in front of you, sitting in the room that you're in. Maybe you're driving and he's in the car with you, but I want you to just get a picture of him. He loves you so much. Father, we love you. God, and we just give you this time right now. Holy Spirit, we welcome you to this conversation. God, we don't want this to just be a monologue, but God, we want a dialogue with you. We want to talk to you and we want to hear you speaking back to us. And so, Father, right now, I just want to pray over every person that's listening, wherever they are, whether they're in their bedroom, their car, their living room, their kitchen, in a dark place, God, at their their wick's end, wherever they are, hopeless, depressed, filled with anxiety, whether there's a minister listening right now who 
serving you their whole life but still somehow feels lost, a parent praying for their child, a wife that's been hurt by their spouse, a husband who feels alone or like he can't provide for his family, whoever they are, Father. I pray that you would be with them in this moment and that they would be able to sense you, see you, and know that you are there with them. And Father, as we look into your eyes and remember your goodness and remember who you are and why you came, Father, we surrender everything that we are to you right now. God, and in this moment, we say, God, it's all about you. We are all about you. Our hearts are postured towards you to see you in your fullness and all of your goodness and who you are and who you are to us, to acknowledge how much you love us, to confess that at so many times we've dropped the ball. God, we've walked through life trying to handle things ourselves. God, we've walked through life trying to do things within our own flesh without even inviting you in. And so, Father, right now we confess that and we repent for that. And Lord, we are letting you in right now in this moment. We lay all expectations at your feet, all preconceived ideas of how it should go or how you should heal us or why we feel like we haven't been healed. Father, we lay all of that down right now at your feet. And we thank you. We thank you that you're always moving. We thank you that you're always working. We thank you that you're always trying to communicate with us. We acknowledge that right now, that you're always trying to speak to us. And we apologize, Lord, for being busy and distracted. And Lord, right now we just lay down distraction and we look to you, the author and the perfecter of our faith, the healer. And God, we cry out to you and we say, we wanna see you. We want to sense you. We want to feel you. We want to know, God, that our will lines up with yours. And we want to know that as we walk out this thing called faith, that we're doing it according to your word, that we're not asking for things because we're selfish or we're asking for things because we want to fulfill our own desires. But God, You say in your word that when we pray, you're faithful to hear us. When two or more are gathered, you're here with us in our midst and anything according to your will will be done. So we don't want to ask for anything outside of that. But Father, that your will would be done in our homes, in our lives. And so Father, right now I pray for everyone listening that is coming to you looking to you, believing for a miracle. Father, would you begin right now to show yourselves to them in a way like never before? And if you're listening right now, I want you to just receive what God has for you. I want you to receive, you know, the the word tells us that in the upper room, 120 people stood and they waited because Jesus said, don't go do ministry without me. He told the disciples this, guys, these were people that had journeyed with Jesus, that saw him do miracle after miracle after miracle. And he told them, don't go and try to minister without me. Go and wait 
wait for what I'm going to send you. And the word tells us that they all went into the upper room and they waited for him. I want you to picture yourself right now in the upper room and you're waiting on him. Father, your word says that you came rushing in like a mighty wind. And Father, that your spirit filled that place. And there was what looked like tongues of fire over everyone's head. And they all began to speak in another language. Father, I pray right now that you would send your fire to every person that is listening right now, every person with their hands lifted, that you would send your fire to them, that you would fill them up from the crown of their head to the soles of their feet, that every fiber of their being would line up and begin to respond to you, Lord Jesus, that their hearts would be filled with hope, restoration, renewal, a new wind, Lord Jesus. I thank you that you are faithful. And as you fill them with new wine and new fire, Lord, I thank you that they would go on with their day knowing that they are healed in Jesus' name. That every person that is barren, that has been praying for their womb to be opened, that they would conceive in Jesus' name that every person who has been praying on their knees for their prodigal child to come home, Father, I know you can do it. I know you wanna do it. Father, would you send somebody to them? Would you send someone to their child to speak life into them and to remind them of who you are? Father, I pray that every person listening, as they close their eyes and picture you, God would receive your eyes of fire looking back at them and allow themselves to be refined and pruned and shaped and molded into the person, the warrior that you've called them to be, that every hopeless minister would stand up with all authority and begin to walk in the alignment of your word and begin to do, God, what you called them to do, that they would have the boldness to speak Right now, I just sense that there is somebody that's going to listen to this and you feel muted. You feel like the enemy has his hand over your mouth. The Lord has given you a promise and you know what that promise is, but you feel like you can't walk it out. I just pray for a release right now, right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I thank you. I thank you for what you're doing in and through every person listening right now. I thank you that they come into a knowing of who you are and they fall madly in love with you. And in these next couple days as they rest, Lord, that you would visit them in their sleep, that you would remind them of your love for them, that you would envelop them with your love, that you would wrap them up. And God, no more will they turn to what could be or what should be, but they would walk in the promise of their healing because you are a miracle working God. We give you all the honor, all the glory and all the praise. You're so worthy. You're worthy. The angels right now as we pray, surround your throne and they cry, holy, holy, holy are you, Lord. 
holy are you, Lord. The elders, they take off their crowns and they lay them before your feet and they cry, holy, 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 because they get it, because they see it, because they know it. Father, may we be a people that doesn't wait until we're before your throne to do that. But Father, may we be a people that take our crowns off and lay them at your feet and cry, holy, holy, holy. May we turn our eyes to you, Lord Jesus, and all of your goodness and your greatness and just worship you without asking for a thing and just know that as we go, You are healed as you go. I just call forth right now healing in Jesus' name. As you go, you are all healed in Jesus' name. I thank you. God, I thank you that miracles are going to start flooding in. And everyone listening and everyone praying and everyone believing is going to see your goodness and that you would receive the full reward of your suffering in Jesus' name. This has been so good today. Andy, Mm. thank you so much for that. I'm just going to sit here and soak for a little bit. I know that um, today, Andy, you just encouraged so many listeners. I I feel encouraged today. So thank you for my encouragement that you have given me today. Um, There is so much that we didn't even talk about today. Like we didn't even talk about your ministry beyond four walls. Um, We didn't talk about um, your T-shirt, t-shirt business. business. <laughs> if you need a house, call I Andy know, Jones. <laughs> I know. There was just so much that we, that we didn't even get to. So hopefully you come back and um, you do this with us again. Today's just been amazing. I'm just, I don't even have words. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. This has been beautiful. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Well, I absolutely, you know, I love seeing all that God has been doing in your life. And guys, it is hard to believe, but... I mean, this is really a wrap. It's the end of the year. Yeah. 49 episodes down, Lauren. It's a wrap. (laughs) It's a wrap. And to everyone listening today, thank you so much for just being here with us and sharing our podcast like we were talking about earlier. I mean, there really is just no greater joy than to share the love of Jesus with all of you guys. Um, This is our last episode for the year. You know, it is a wrap, like you said, Debs. So thank you so much for listening. Um, And as always, we cannot wait to meet you here again at First and Main, your avenue to living well.